Everybody suffers, so how can I pray for you? Welcome to the everybodysuffers.com podcast. I'm Carl Brown, and my hope is that through this podcast, I can help you make sense out of suffering so that either you can experience consolation or so that you can share consolation with others. The sponsor of our podcast is Our Lady of Kibeho. Kibeho, Rwanda was the site of the most recent major church-approved apparition of our Blessed Mother. She warned us of the Rwandan genocide of 1994, and she reintroduced the Seven Sorrows Rosary. Mary gave this warning more than 10 years before the genocide, which she confirmed by predicting the death and resurrection of three visionaries in Rwanda. And the warning she gave the people of Rwanda... She specifically said it was not just for Rwanda, but a warning for the whole world. So what will you do now? Will you pray the rosary every day as she asked? Or will you one day regret not having done enough to prevent what she warned us about? So today's episode, I want to talk about foreshadowing and prefiguring and finding Jesus in the Old Testament and how the seven sorrows in or the Dominican Rosary can help us to ponder the mysteries of God that were hidden in the Old Testament and then revealed through Jesus. So this is the realization of the second promise of uh, Our Lady of Sorrows. Mary promises, I will grant peace in the families. Uh, They will be enlightened about the divine mysteries. That's number two. I will console them in their pains and accompany them in their work. I will grant them all that they ask. I will defend them from the infernal enemy. I will um, assist them at the hour of their death. And those who promote this devotion will be taken directly to eternal happiness. But this the second promise that I want to focus on today. She says, those who pray this devotion will be enlightened about the divine mysteries. And so how does that happen? And I want to share one way that that happens, and that is through contemplating the scenes of the seven sorrows. And you can't help but think about a, the, a counterpart to that scene from the Old Testament. And then it helps us to better understand God's plan of salvation. So, for example, the first sorrow is the prophecy of Simeon. And the first joyful mystery of the Dominican Rosary is the Annunciation. The angel uh, Gabriel announces to Mary. And in that scene, Mary's yes to God, when she says, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, may it be done unto me according to thy word. That's undoing Eve's disobedience in in the Garden of Eden. And similarly, the prophecy of Simeon... Uh, showing that Mary is going to experience sorrows is it, it, it reminds us of the the consequences of Eve's sin. So God says to Adam and Eve that because they have done this, because they've disobeyed God, there's going to be bad consequences for them. And in the prophecy of Simeon, it's sort of Simeon is saying, "Hey, because you said yes to God and bringing the Messiah into the world." There are going to be some consequences there, and one of them is you're going to suffer. But the point is is that this first sorrow, it brings to mind the, prophet, the, the, um, the, result, the consequences of that original sin. And God curses 
the serpent. He does not curse Adam and Eve. He just tells them the consequences, uh, and it'll be that labor and childbirth and and you know having to work to um, having through the sweat of his brow, and that, that Adam will be having to work through sweat and and thistles and thorns. So, just thinking about the first sorrow can be a way to contemplate that from the very beginning, God planned to redeem us. And we can see that in the, the, the juxtaposition of the prophecy of Simeon and the, and the consequence, as God is sharing the consequences of, of the disobedience of Adam and Eve. In the second scene, we have the second sorrow is the flight into Egypt. And just the fact that, that there is an imperial edict that baby boys will be killed that should remind us about Moses, right? And going down to Egypt should remind us about Joseph of the Old Testament going down to Egypt. And, you know, Egypt represents that place of slavery and coming out of Egypt through the purgation of 40 years in the desert, 38 to 40 years in the desert, that that talks to us about the spiritual journey and that we have to work to to rid ourselves of attachment to sin and got, um, you know the the prophets say out of egypt i will call my son so this second sorrow should call to mind moses going down to egypt joseph going down to egypt and even before them abraham went to egypt so the second sorrow points us to that part of the, the story of salvation history. In the third sorrow, we have Mary is, has lost Jesus for three days, and the third and the fourth sorrow together, then, then Jesus carrying the wood of the cross up the hill. Those two sorrows remind us of the scene with Abram, Abraham and Isaac, where God asks Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, and, and he uh, obeys. He agrees to do that. And through sorrow, he has this journey where he walks with Isaac to Mount Moriah, where he's going to sacrifice Isaac. And there on Mount Moriah, he gets his son back, which is the third day. So the, that's the kind of the foreshadowing of the three days for Mary. On the third day, Abraham gets his son Isaac back. And Here's Isaac carrying this wood up the hill, which is like Jesus carrying the wood of the cross up the hill. So in that way, those two scenes can remind us of what happened with Abraham and Isaac. And in the fourth scene, as Mary meets the fourth sorrow, Mary meets Jesus carrying the cross. And just that loss, that that suffering of watching um, Jesus suffer, it, it, it really, for me, reminds me of Job and his suffering because he lost his sons and daughters. And he lost 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, his servants, and he lost seven sons and three daughters in one day. And it's just an amazing amount of loss to imagine but imagine how much more the loss 
for Mary was in walking with Jesus on the road to Calvary, watching people beat and, and scourge and torture and kill her son in front of her eyes. And, you know, the story of Job is one of hope because in the end, Job gets twice everything that he lost. He gets twice as many sheep and camel and oxen and donkeys, but he gets 10 more children. He doesn't get 20 more children, and that that is a reminder to us that the resurrection on the last day is real. And and we we know that Mary, full of hope, as she walks with Jesus on the road to Calvary, would have kept in her mind that the resurrection is real, and it's and it's that's the source of her hope. In the fifth sorrow, as Mary stands at the foot of the cross, you know I can't help but think about the book of of Maccabees, the second book of Maccabees. We see a mother of seven sons who will not give in to the demands of a pagan king, just as Pilate would one day tempt Jesus by claiming to have authority to release Jesus. One of the brothers taunts the king and says, because you have authority among men, do not think God has forsaken his people. And after torturing and killing six of her sons, the king called the mother to himself and urged her to advise her son to save himself. But she didn't do that. She encouraged her son. So I'm going to read these words to you from Second Maccabees chapter 7. And, and I want you to imagine these words on the lips of our Blessed Mother as she beheld Jesus on the cross. My son, have pity on me. I carried you nine months in my womb and I nursed you for three years. But do not fear these butchers, but accept death so that in God's mercy you will have life and breath again. It's, this is amazing uh, bravery, amazing, amazing courage of this mother in Second Maccabees. And imagine how much more courageous is the mother of Jesus who suffered the seven sorrows for the sake of her son. Um, so that's just a, an amazing retrospect or an amazing look back on, on Old Testament where we can see uh, this f- foreshadowing, this f- uh, prefiguring of Jesus and Mary. In the sixth sorrow, Mary's holding the dead body of Jesus in her arms. And, you know, just as there can be prefiguring of, of Jesus in the Old Testament in positive ways, uh, there can also be prefiguring of things in negative ways. So, um, you know, a bad son of David is points us to how much how much good there will be in the in the new son of David, for example. But the example that I think of here in the sixth sorrow, as as this woman is holding this dead body of um, of her beloved, it reminds me of a scene from a children's Bible that I had growing up. And I, would, I just remember going through that, that children's Bible over and over and over, and I can still picture in my head scenes from that book. And one of them was from the story of Samson. And, you know, the story of Samson has all the elements of a good plot. 
a powerful protagonist, wicked enemies, a love interest, revenge. You know, it's, it's better than Princess Bride, right? Um, but how does this relate to our Blessed Mother? In this case, it's the polar opposite, right? Um, we have Samson, and then we have Delilah, whose name is synonymous with duplicity and betrayal. And her infamy is second only to the disciple who stole from the other disciples and, and separated himself from Jesus at what should have been his first communion and betrayed our Lord to his enemies. I'm talking about Judah, Judas. But um, Delilah conspired with Samson's enemies, the Philistines, to deliver Samson into their hands. And her promises of love were false promises of communion. Instead, she betrayed Samson in exchange for 1,100 silver coins. And the Philistines cut Samson's hair, and in so doing, he became powerless against them. And once that treachery was complete, Samson, still asleep, had his head resting in Delilah's lap. And it, it just makes me picture the scene of Jesus, Jesus' head in the lap of Mary after he's been taken down from the cross. Jesus is seemingly powerless against his enemies, but Mary never betrayed her son. She never deceived him. She never gave in to the enemies by cursing them or wishing for revenge. Instead, in this scene, she's sitting there holding her son and she's looking to us. She's looking at us as we are betrayers of Christ. It's our sins that caused him to have to give his life on the cross. Mary is not looking to take revenge against us or betray us. Instead, she's looking on us with love. And she wants us to change our lives so that we don't miss out on the treasures of, of paradise. And just as Samson, you know, in in prison, he, he asks, just give me strength, Lord, for one more time. And with his strength restored, he stretches his arms out to tear down the pillars of the banquet hall in order to destroy his enemies. But through the grace of God, through the seven stars rosary, and through you know, meditation, we should see the world through new eyes, and we should see Christ stretch out his arms on the cross in order to embrace, yes, even his enemies. And he destroys his, our enemy, which is death. And I just, I just think it's such a powerful image. It's a, it's a contrary image. Uh, image because Mary is not Delilah but that's that's part of what makes it such a great comparison and such a great contrast and okay in the seventh sorrow at the burial of Jesus this we can find examples from the Old Testament that prefigure the death of Jesus but one of them that's really uh, intriguing to me is considering the, the death of the first son of David, the first son of David born to Bathsheba. And, you know, I'm talking about the, the baby who died, right? Um, and that baby could not be compared to Jesus, you know. I mean, that baby was born to a murderous father and an adulterous mother. But David mourned his death, and oh, how he wept. Um, and so how much more would Mary mourn the loss of her son, Jesus, who was without sin, undeserving of death. 
But, but listen to the words of David after the death of his son. Because he's told, hey, you, you know, um, fast and, and you can be done with this. And, um, and he, he says, um, can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. This is in 2 Samuel 12, verse 23. He says, I shall go to him, but he will not re- return to me. I can't bring him back. And in those words is evidence of David's belief in the resurrection of the body on the last day. And Mary certainly would have had belief in the resurrection of the body on the last day because, you know, Jesus talked about it and because she studied scriptures and she would have studied scriptures and known them more intimately than King David. But it's so David having hope of seeing this baby that who, whose personality he never got to know. David has hopes of being reunited with his, his dead baby. And how much more can Mary, the mother of Jesus, have hope in the resurrection of her son? So I share this with you because this is the fruit of my prayer. And, and since Mary made the promise that those who pray the seven stars will be enlightened about the divine mysteries, what you can walk away with is the confidence that, that you will have lights from the Holy Spirit that, that are brought to your mind as you pray the seven sorrows rosary and contemplate uh, the divine mysteries. So thank you for joining me in this podcast episode. I'm Carl Brown, and this is the everybodysuffers.com podcast. The reality is everybody suffers, so how can I pray for you? Uh, Email me your prayer request at carl at everybodysuffers.com. And my hope is that through this podcast, I can help you make sense out of suffering so that either you can experience consolation or so that you can share consolation with others. Have a great day. God bless you.